Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome. I am Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect, and we are unbuckling today the juicy adventures I had in Costa Rica and some major epiphanies that came as a result of my travel mates and uh, conversations and experiences that were going on that were very much connected to what we love to talk about here on this show, unbuckling our sexuality and our spirituality and seeing the places where those uh, intersect and how that intersection is is uh, affecting the way we navigate our lives. So I had the great uh, pleasure to get to be invited on this incredible uh, retreat to Costa Rica. And it um, kind of like a, a new experimental thing, um, gathering different artists, uh, sculptors, painters, musicians, healers, just people from all over the world, all different backgrounds, all, all kinds of amazing, talented folks, um, coming together to share their talents, to share their gifts and experiences, to enjoy the beautiful tropical, uh, space of Costa Rica, to learn from each other. And it was truly magical. Um, so on on the flight there, um, which was totally baller uh, and part of a great manifestation that I'd been working on for years, manifesting flying uh, on a private plane, um, came to fruition and we're flying there. Um, and there's a conversation transpiring with someone who is uh, is pretty heavily religious and um, and very connected to their their Christian, uh, path, uh, very much like, you know, reminded me a lot of like a, a youth counselor that, you know, um, you know, quoting Bible stuff, like really, uh, really a bro for Jesus. And, um, and you know, a lot of conversation about, uh, frustration and fear um, around sexual empowerment uh, around women um, owning their sexuality and and one of the challenges that they were experiencing was um, a song that came out a couple of summers ago uh, wet ass pussy and how you know, their, their opinion of it, uh, was like, it, it is an illusion of, uh, feminist empowerment, um, that, you know, that women being vulgar as they put it, um, is not empowering to women. Um, and that really, I, I, I pretty heavily disagree with that. I think we're in a state now where, as a result of the deep oppression of women and sexuality in general, but especially of women expressing their sexuality, the pendulum um, has swung and has been swinging in the other direction for a long time. You know, I thought back to Madonna's justify your love. And when that video was banned, um, even before that, when she did uh, 
like a prayer and Pepsi dropped her uh, for having this like sexual innuendo in this church setting with this black Jesus. And, you know, people were just like appalled. Um, and then, yeah, when she came out with erotica and justify your love and and really owning uh, like kink and and owning um, just owning her sexual power, you know, how how that was shunned. Um, and it's happened, you know, time and time again. You know, it, it, Christina Aguilera did it with Dirty. I'm sure there's countless other ones in between. But um, I think it's Cardi B. Megan the Stallion uh, did the wet ass pussy song. And, and, you know, I, while I personally don't think it's a very good song, you know, <laughs> like, um, uh, I personally think, you know, like lyrically and like, you know, uh, it's just kind of like mediocre, but that's really besides the point. That's just like my personal musical taste. I uh, do. I believe that it is, um, empowering women, uh, certainly some women, you know, that's, that's the thing about empowerment and about, feminism when we talk about feminism it's not so much that like this is empowering to women and giving women a leg up when we talk about feminism we're talking about an equality across the board that does not skew women in some other category as to what is or isn't acceptable so you know i found it interesting like no one on the plane was talking about the countless I mean I couldn't even begin to name you all of the male rappers who sing about getting their dick sucked about fucking people about having orgies about you know being degrading to women and how they're the man and they're the pimp and they're the mac daddy and they're you know um like that does not even register as something that's offensive um or diminishing to male empowerment uh, because it, it doesn't, you know, because no one is no, no hetero white uh, cis male is walking around any worse off because Biggie Smalls or Tupac or Too Short or Easy E or any number, you know, Two Life Crew. Like, I mean, that, that's a long fucking list we could go through of the amount of of men who have sung about, you know, being, you know, in charge uh, uh, and fucking whoever they want and, and, and like proudly um, owning their sexuality and their sexual prowess and, and the power, you know. Um, but this idea that a woman singing about that is somehow detrimental to the feminist movement um, and, and, and an illusion of empowerment I found that very interesting. Uh, so I honestly, I didn't really get <laughs> too deep. I just kind of listened because I'm stuck on a private plane with these people. Um, so it definitely wasn't the place where I was like, do I really want to like debate this with you? Um, and those are things that I'm, I'm working on. I'm working on, you know, how to have uncomfortable conversations in a way um, that is very open Um there's, you know, I have an amazing dear friend. He's actually been on the show, Ben Karen. You can go back and listen to Ben Karen's episode um, about bridging the divide. And he's actually traveling uh, right now across the U.S. Um, 
to have these conversations with people to, to bring, you know, challenging conversations to middle America and small places so that we can learn how to communicate about uncomfortable, challenging things where we don't agree, but we can find some kind of common ground or at the very least an ability to witness and acknowledge um, each other. And so in that moment, though, however, on the plane, um, knowing that following the plane, there was going to be a two and a half hour drive. <laughs> I, I opted to not really uh, get get too into it um, and just, you know, sit with with my thoughts on it. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, the trip continued on and and it was amazing. And, and that same Christian person um during one of the evenings where we we were invited to perform, my husband Marcin and I performed a um, a cabaret routine, a burlesque routine that we've done before. It was a very G-rated version of it. Like I, I kept myself fully clothed, um, but it was interesting to see like the tension and the feeling in the room and the the anxiety of like, oh my God, is she going to take her clothes off because I don't want to see this or I do want to see it, but I'm mad at myself for wanting to see it. Uh, this feeling of if I get turned on by this, I wouldn't know what to do because I only know how to navigate being turned on with a lover that leads to sex. I don't know how to just be in the presence of, of a sexual energy that I'm feeling and redirect it into something else or, or just sit with it and, and, and not, you know, feel any need to take action. So it was interesting. The, you know, the, the, the rise of like, Oh God, you know? Um, and I find it fascinating because, you know, in a space where you're allowing radical artistic freedom, where do we draw that line between myself, my being able to express myself fully and completely and somebody else being responsible to remove themselves from the situation if they don't wish to see it rather than the burden being placed on me that I just shouldn't do something because it might make somebody else uncomfortable rather than that person, you know, deciding to go hang out in the kitchen or whatever and not watch my show. Um, and, and so I did the routine and, um, and, you know, and some people really loved it and were like, thank you. Like, like this, you know, we need this, we need, um, a healthy awareness of our sexuality and, and, and to value the importance of our sexuality. Um, and some people, it just felt like they opted to not say anything because they didn't have anything nice to say. <laughs> so, so they just kind of ignored me for the rest of the night. Um, but I found it fascinating because the, the Christian person, uh, is a musician and he did an incredible drum set. And, and after like one really intense song playing, he decided to take his shirt off and he took his shirt off and the crowd cheered and roared and, and he proceeded to play and his playing even just kind of amped up and got even more enthusiastic and primal when he took his shirt off. And I was very aware of that difference of this, like, I'm going to bear it all. And I'm going to like go into this and like taking off my shirt and just, you know, and I was fascinated about how enthusiastic the crowd was, was like, yeah, he's taking his shirt off. Like he's really dropping in even deeper into that artist's space. And they were like, gung-ho for it. 
However, like when I, um, I had a slip dress on with a kimono over it and a belt holding the kimono closed. So at some point I undid the belt and I opened the kimono and like the, the tension and that moment when I undid the belt was like, Oh shit. Uh, and it was just so fascinating to see the difference. Like, cause here I am expressing and I'm in my art and I'm in the zone and I'm in my body and I'm moving to the music and, and we're doing this beautiful performance. Um, but there wasn't this enthusiastic cheer of like, yes, like go for it. Take, take it off and get primal and get raw and get real. Instead, it was, uh, met with this like, <gasps> like, Oh, uh, what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> So it was just really fascinating to see because it was very, you know, obvious, like the whole trip really, you know, we're, we're at beaches, we're poolside. Um, this idea, like, you know, men's nipples are not obscene, but women's nipples are obscene, um, and are supposed to be covered and, and women's nipples are sexual, but men's nipples are not. Um, and so just seeing that, you know, continuing to like play out time and time again, this idea of like, you know, my nudity is sexualized and not considered artistic, you know, versus like his uh, getting undressed was part of this like, you know, artistry that that was somehow respected and and um, and met with with like this this joyful welcoming um because it meant that he was was diving even deeper you know into into his art um and this fear of what would come up if i dove deeper into my art so that was an interesting observation to sit with um and so you know i definitely recognize where um I, I sat with this a lot, especially because the last couple of days, um, it was Bellatane. So Bellatane is a, I believe it's a, a originally a pagan holiday. It may even predate that it's May 1st. May day is often, uh, what we know it as here in the States. And it's, you know, it, it goes back to a point where, I mean, that's like a celebration of like the fertile side of the harvest, you know, so you have spring equinox, you've planted seeds and, and here we are at this halfway point in between spring equinox and summer solstice. Um, and everything is bloomed. Everything is like, is juicy and fertile. And, and so it's typically recognized as the triple goddess time where you honor the cycle from um, the maiden to the mother to what I would call the priestess whore. Um, and I feel like that's a piece that like, especially at this retreat, you know, there are these amazing women who are holding space as priestesses, um, as healers in, in this, this very beautiful maiden way, um, sharing their art, sharing their music. There were, you know, a lot of women holding a lot of mothering space, nurturing, making sure food was provided, making sure schedules and, and everyone was where they were supposed to be and coordinating. And, but, but the whore, uh, was definitely (laughs) like not being represented, Um, and you know, in I walk, um, 
because I definitely believe in the divinity, in the holiness of the whore. And I feel like the word whore, it's one of those words that, you know, masculinity and patriarchy has turned into something dirty and foul. Um, And there's such a misconception, I think, about the idea that, like, if you go to a sex worker, if you if you pay for sex, like you're somehow doing them a favor. Like there's some like poor wretched creature that like is desperate for money. And, and so you'll like, Oh, you'll just throw some money at them to help them out. Um, and, and, you know, and like, and like, you know, like the whore needs you. Um, and I feel like that is just such a gross misconception of what that energy truly is about. Like if you go back, way back, like Mary Magdalene back, you know, the whore was revered that that energy, that priestess energy it is a holy temple. It is like the crown jewel, like like the cunt energy and, and that goddess energy, nothing matches it it is it is a force like no other it is beyond anything that that man can do in that conventional you know when we're talking about like traditional cis male energy um the ability to to go to the temple you know like like it was it was a precious gift to be taken in by the priestesses, by the whores, by these women who would help with the rites of passage, who would help with, with the healing and who would uh, provide the love and the comfort. And, um, you know, like they were doing that, you know, the, the favor, (laughs) no one was doing them a favor by showing up. Like they were gifting, something incredibly potent and powerful uh, by holding space. And so I feel like, you know, the time is long overdue for us to reframe this idea of the whore energy as being uh, something that's bad or dirty or or foul or vulgar or, um, you know, wretched or, you know, whatever, uh, like denser, uh, less compassionate energy has been associated with that, um, and really begin to bring in the reverence and the respect and and the pedestal that the whore deserves to be put upon. Um, and so I was thinking about you know the Bible, um, and I personally consider the Bible like a game of telephone. Like I think, sure, like you know stuff happened in in history. Um, archaeologists, you know, can can find pieces and fragments and things. But we're talking about an entirely different language that for thousands of years has been interpreted and reinterpreted and translated to the best of our ability with information that's ever changing and ever growing as we find you know, more knowledge along the way. Um, and you have a game of telephone that's been played as this, you know, these stories were passed on from generation to generation, primarily told by men and documented and written by men. Um, so definitely skewed, right? Like, you know, if, if I call somebody now and tell them a story, 
they're going to tell somebody else the same story through their lens. So, you know, you, you have to consider how much was filtered and shifted. You know, this, this isn't a, a person to person transmission because even in person to person transmissions, we still filter things through our own lens and it becomes skewed. So, so I do not put, uh, any, sort of power into the Bible as if it is like a word of truth. Like they are stories. They are stories that are interpreted as best they can be. And they're meant to inspire and reflect upon. They are not, in my opinion, uh, facts or rules to follow. Um, and so when I think about, you know, the story is written, I, I, I thought a lot about, you know, how, when, um, you, if you, you know, caught your parents having sex or, or doing something, what you know, and your parents would like give you a different version, right? So it'd be like, oh, mommy and daddy were wrestling. Mommy and daddy were just, were just playing. Um, and so, you know, cause it's like, you can't handle what's, re- you wouldn't have the comprehension to understand if we really tried to explain to you what was going on. And that's how I feel about the story of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. I feel like, you know, the, the people who passed on that story were like, oh, we can't tell people what's really going on here. We can't tell people that this, this person we're creating as the savior, um, actually is having this glorious affair with this like powerful priestess woman who is a divine, holy whore. And, and that she is like helping him to tap even deeper into his power through the gift of opening herself up to him. Um, so, you know, the edited version is like he, you know, he takes pity upon the whore who then washes, uh, his feet with her hair or some, something to that effect. Um, which in and of itself is still like kinky and erotic, but it's a, it's a much more G rated version than I, I would venture to to guess actually happened. Um, I would venture, you know, my, my, my deeper inner knowing feels more like that was some like R rated X rated (laughs) experiences that were going down between Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Um, And so, you know, I think it's all of those things that allow society and people to then uh, see the whore as lesser than. And if you see the whore as lesser than, then you see women as lesser than. Then you see the sexuality and the empowerment and the glorious uh, magic that is divine feminine sexuality as lesser than. Then there is a skew of power. You know, um, so the, the conversation on the flight home, um, at some point, because my husband and I were to the back of the plane and we were pretty much by ourselves and we had like, you know, lounged out and we were relaxing and, and the Christian guy was at the front of the plane and then something shifted and, and somebody else wanted to like move around and lay down and asked if he would go, you know, sit at the back of the plane so that they would have some more room up front. And so he did, he came back and sat with us. And, um, and so I took the opportunity to, to inquire cause he had spent a lot of the trip talking about his children and he has like a four-year-old kid and a two-year-old kid and a newborn. Um, 
and what a big family he has, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, cause this is something that's a very big deal to me in my work as a sex educator. And, um, and if you've listened to the show, then, you know, you know, many of the sex educators that we talk to, like all of them <laughs> advocate for how important it is to use the proper terminology, the proper language, um, when we're talking about our, our body parts, our sex organs, our genitalia, um, because this kind of awareness is empowering. It, it's very preventative and sexual abuse. It is, uh, very empowering in, in knowing and understanding your body and connecting to your body. So I was curious, you know, like, you know, d- does, do his children know the proper terms or do they use? And he's like, no, you know, we use PP. We don't, um, we've never given her the proper terminology. And I was like, okay, interesting. Um, I was like, cause you've taught her her eyes and her hands. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, she knows like, but, uh, he went on to, and this really struck me. Um, he's like, yeah, but I, you know, I teach her, her hands are to like color and draw and play. I don't teach her, her hands are to murder because you could murder with your hands. And I was like, wow. So in your mind, the idea of teaching your child that the proper name is her vulva and her vulva um, has a urethra through which she goes pee pee. She makes urination, but her vulva, um, you know, and I get she's four years old. Like she doesn't necessarily need to know right this moment that her vulva is for pleasure and for sex. But the idea that hands could be used for murder was like the equivalent of the vulva is used for sex. I was like, shit, like that is like, wow. Um, And fascinating because it really is the opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So if you think about like the cunt, the vulva, uh, the vulva energy, you know, engaging in sex, engaging in pleasure, joyful sparks. And you also think about like birthing, right? You think about like life comes through the vulva. Um, then the very opposite of life coming through the vulva is murder, right? So he is completely on the other end of that spectrum where like sex, uh, that is, you know, I would imagine, Granted, I, I didn't get clarification, but <laughs> based on the conversation I was having, I would say it's safe to speculate that, uh, you know, sex only happens or sex is only okay in, 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 this, in his version, in this Christian version, if you're married, right, and you're having sex to have a baby. Um, and any, any other kind of sex is like the equivalent of like hands are for murder. It's like your vulva is for, you know, something wretched and dirty and horrible and like on, you know, murder. I was like, when he said hands are for murder, I just like, I, I haven't been able to let it go. It's just like, keeps ringing in my head. Like, holy shit. Like that is like such an extreme idea. Um, so yeah. And that, and then eyes are like, eyes could be used for observation or eyes could be used for lust, you know? And again, kind of back to the idea of when I was dancing, um, this idea that like that to lust, you know, to be turned on, to be aroused, to be excited would somehow be wrong or bad instead of just being like, Oh wow. Like that's a sensation I had. I mean, I watched him play the drums. It was 
an explosive energy. I danced my ass off. I felt it. I was engaged. My body was moving. I was alive, you know, through the art that he was sharing. I watched people paint and had emotional experiences. I was watching sculptors. I was, you know, singing along with, with people who were doing kirtan. Every artist, every person that was there sharing, it was like, I felt it. My body was alive. I was engaged. My senses were engaged. How I was hearing things, seeing things, smelling things. It was just a full life, juicy prana energy that was glorious. And at no point did I think, Oh, I, oh, I can't watch you paint because it might make me want to paint. And then that would be bad. Like, and no, <laughs> you know, I was like watching him drum. I'm like, fuck, I want to go get more drums. Like I'm watching people paint. I'm like, damn, I need to go home and like bust out my canvases. So this idea that you would watch me dance and be turned on and, and like think that that was somehow bad that, you know, like that you couldn't take that energy and do something amazing with it. It's creative energy. Like go create something, go be inspired, go home and jerk off. If you really want to, like you can certainly channel it to sexual energy, but you can also redirect it. Um, and so I think such a big piece of the, the shaming and the condemning of the whore and this idea of man's power over woman comes from this place of, of toxic masculinity of, of, you know, this story that men have been sold and society has been sold that if like a man gets turned on, he becomes some sort of like stupid animal who can't think or function and is led by his dick to do things he wouldn't otherwise want to do. And I feel like the, the issue here isn't that women are trying to feel empowered in their sexuality. It's that men feel disempowered in their sexuality. And instead of feeling ownership over, oh, I know what to do. I know if I'm turned on, I can diffuse this energy. I can, you know, I can redirect this energy. I could, in a consent uh, boundary, healthy, nonviolent communication way, inquire if someone wants to share this energy with me, I can ask for what I need or want or what, or express my desires in a healthy, safe way. I am not like the victim or um, at the mercy of my arousal. And so there's nothing to then prevent or stop anyone else, you know, from doing something that might arouse me um, because I'm able to manage that and, and navigate that. So so yeah, it's just like such a fascinating thing to sit back and watch it unfold, uh, <laughs> which, you know, got me deeper down the rabbit hole of, of the whole idea of sin and evil and wrong. And, um, and so I've been sitting a lot with the idea, um, and I wish I could remember the name. So it's a very old religion. It starts with a Z. I was trying to look it up to see if I could find it. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna just take a moment and see if I can I can locate it. Uh, yeah, I, but I'll 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 try to uh, get you the gist of it. But yeah, so it's a it's a very old religion. It starts with a Z, um, and like pretty much all religions can be traced back to this religion. Um, and essentially, the idea of hell, like the way they were describing it. Uh, 
was like the core of the earth, which I found really interesting because if you think about like on a scientific level, the way energy works, all of our dense energy does go, you know, gravity is pulling us towards like the, the core of the earth. That is, is, is the space where everything is moving in towards, right? And then, and then at the same time, there's energy that like comes out, you know, and becomes more ethereal and airy and, um, and like into the, you know, the atmosphere. So the core of the earth being this space where it is just like hot lava, like it is just like, like a boiling lava center. Like if you, you know, if you imagine the earth as like a giant jawbreaker and at the very center of that um, is this boiling center of, of heat of, of, you know, I mean, it essentially is like, it is hell, um, but no one actually goes to hell, right? But our dense energy, our heavier energy that, you know, is hard to move through that holds us down, that is a very, you know, connected to the core of the earth energy. And I thought about the idea of of the devil and how, you know, you're taught, at least I was taught in Catholic school that the devil is like, um, he was, he was first one of God's right hand dudes. And then he, uh, he disagrees or something and he becomes a fallen angel. So this notion of separation, because I, I truly feel that separation is, is the idea of sin. When we talk about sin, what we're really talking about is this idea that you're separate from somebody else. That something that you've did or want to do um, makes you separate from other people. And in that separation, you know, then judgment comes in as to, you know, you're bad or you're less than or whatever it is. Um, so that the, the, the energy of the devil or the, the energy of that, that separateness forgets for so long that it, it is part of source, that it is part of the whole, um, that it gets trapped. It gets stuck there in that, that denser, heavier, fearful place. And then in doing so attracts other people who have forgotten for, for too long and aren't returning back to source and aren't returning back to that, that lightness and that airy ether, uh, open spiritual expansiveness. And they're staying in this contracted, fearful, condensed place and it just gets harder and tighter and heavier. Um, and so, yeah, you know, what if, what if we really allowed ourselves room to, to move through those dense energies, to move through those moments when we're like turned on and, and something that feels heavy without judgment, then we would return much faster to that divine source space and see like it isn't separate to see that it is part of everything to see, you know, in Tantra, that's the idea is that nothing is taboo, that we're weaving it all together. Um, and so something else that happened along the trip. So we're in Costa Rica, you know, there's it's a Spanish speaking uh, space primarily. I know very little Spanish. Uh, we had people who were there from the Dominican Republic. We had some people who were there from Costa Rica and it just so happens to be our Christian drummer friend. He, um, he also speaks Spanish. Um, and I'm, I'm not honestly sure 
what his lineage was. But there, there was a conversation unfolding about how Spanish is different everywhere, right? So like Spanish in Spain is different than Spanish in Mexico, different than Costa Rica, different than Dominican Republic. You know, it's a it's a very different dialects. Um, and like anywhere else, you know, here in America, even you have, you know, people from Spanish Harlem speak different kind of Spanish than like people in California speak Spanish. And uh, we have all kind of colloquialisms and, and you know, sayings, expressions like slang, um, all comes into play. So, so even when you're talking about like, oh, I speak Spanish, it's not like a universal thing. Like this is a very specific thing. And uh, someone asked how to say like, uh, like I'm cool. Like I feel good. Like it's, you know, like everything's all right. You know, like how would you say that? Um, and it began to unfold like, again, you know, there's, there's different ideas and different places, different, uh, regions would say something differently. Um, and so the word, it was like something with a C. Um, but anyways, the, there was one group who was like, Oh, if I say that in Mexico, sure, that means like it's cool. But if I say that in Spain, that actually means something entirely different. It actually would mean, uh, more like a, a very bold, um, type of happy that is, is almost too much. And someone else chimed in and went on to say like, yeah, my grandmother used to say that to me when I was, when I was misbehaving, you know, when she thought I was misbehaving, um, she would use that word to, to rein me in. Um, and that he was taught that that word meant that you were like, the equivalent of being, um, naked running around in the jungle. And so to that, I said, I was like, wow, well, that sounds amazing to me to be like naked running around in the jungle feels very much like freedom and that, that everything is great and you're all right. And you're just, you know, being authentic and vulnerable and, and our Christian friend chimed in, you know, is like, or, you know, it's viewed as being vulgar. I was like, well, here we go again. You know, my idea of freedom is somebody else's idea of vulgarity. Um, but it's just fascinating, you know, to think about that, to think about where, where do we start to separate, you know, um, and how many of these ideas and these concepts that keep us separate are not our own, right, are, are taught to us are, are given to us by our parents, by society, by religion. You know, when was the last time you really sat with yourself and thought about how you really feel? You know, if you were to untangle and unpack and deconstruct and, and create some breathing room between what has been presented to you and your deeper inner knowing, like a deep, intuitive, soul-centered space within your heart, with you know, within you, what's the discourse, you know? Because I certainly experienced that, you know, what, what I was taught growing up did not resonate with me. It didn't feel good in my heart. It didn't feel good in my body. And so when I began to go out and explore and find my own ideas and my own truth, um, I realized like a lot of what I was taught was in deep contrast to what I inherently knew and felt a, a true loving resonance to be 
spirit to be, you know, what it meant to be spiritual and sexual and, and how tightly wound those are like spirituality and sexuality are like the chicken and the egg. Like, you know, we, we are spirit and source and then we choose to, to fragment and, and, and grow and birth and disperse and expand out. And we do so through sex, through this creative energy that merges and then morphs, you know, it, (laughs) um, and so, you know, this idea of putting sin and shame and, and you're going to hell and, um, and the, the degrading side of, of being a whore, you know, I think it's just, it's just an opportunity for power over. Um, I truly believe that, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> the power of woman um, in, in the, the hetero cis way of, of woman being able to give birth scares the fuck out of people and you know the fact that they would they would have sex and and pleasure and and then a new life would come forth from that um I just don't think people knew what the fuck to do with that and so you know more and more over time it was like repress the sexuality because there is a huge piece of of women's power is the power of of our sex i mean i think it's a huge piece of everyone's power um but especially the the anatomy and the design of of uh a cis woman's body you know to to do something like that um there's you know it's truly miraculous uh and and i think the instead of having reverence for that it it evoked fear and i feel like that's what you know people like myself and countless other people out there who are having these conversations about sex and spirituality are are hoping to shift because i feel like the time is long overdue um and so one of um the last pivotal moments of this trip uh you know, like I said, like the, the, you know, the, the women there, first off, it was like a 70, 30 split. Like it was like 70% men and like 30% women. So, so it was definitely like men were in the majority. Um, and yeah, and, and, you know, the women there were like either like these delightfully frail artists, you know, or, or, um, these like softer women, these, these like priestess women healers they were they were all women who were like helping and holding space like there were no women who were like i am i have power over you um there was some of this like i have power alongside of you but most of it was i am giving my power to help you and um and i feel like i was <laughs> i was like you know really holding the space of like i have power of myself and i may grace you with the power of myself if you are so lucky um because i need nothing from you and i recognize my worth and my value and and the importance of my holding this space as the divine whore and uh so at some point this man came up to do some poetry uh while this brilliant uh, other person was playing guitar this like very tapped in uh soul being playing guitar that was just transcending 
sound altogether. He was truly channeling Jesus energy. Um, and so someone starts speaking and they're speaking of how the mother has been drained, you know, how the mother has been drained and, and the mother is, is withered away. And in, in the death of the mother rises the lover and the lover, uh, the divine feminine lover is, is waiting to be met by the man is waiting for the man to, to show up and to surrender and to bow with reverence and respect and honor and follow the lead of the lover and, and, you know, and that harmony will come from the following the lead of the lover. And I really wanted to just get up and like cheer and scream. It's the holy whore. Like, you know, um, <laughs> that I understood he, he was using language that, that these men could understand and holy whore is, you know, it's not ready to land on them yet. So the lover is poetic. Uh, and afterwards, the gentleman who was playing guitar. So the whole time that they're playing and speaking, I'm actually in the pool. The sun is set. I'm in the pool and I'm doing all kinds of like yoni hand mudras and I'm like dancing in the pool and I'm just totally channeling divine feminine energy and, and this space of like welcoming the masculine energy to surrender. And it occurs to me that the fear of man, um, and the longing of man is very much entrenched in the, the contrast of the mother and the whore. So man comes through woman is birthed through woman and, and then feels this fear and loneliness having left the womb and, and being out into the world continues to try to cling to the nurturing of the mother to feed and to feel safe. But at some point the mother goes and it isn't there anymore. And, and the man is left with the lover and he wants to almost use the lover to, to get back to the only feminine connection he's known, which was the safety of the womb. Um, and that's where I think the, the abuse of women comes through is like in that fear and the confusion of not knowing how to make that distinction and to make that leap of growth between being the boy who receives and is birthed and is nurtured to becoming the man who can meet in equality and in balance and in harmony, the divine holy whore. Um, and I think that that fear of being unworthy, this idea that the mother, that there's some layer of rejection um, or abandonment that comes when when the man is birthed or the boy is birthed, that the mother has somehow like left him, that that fear and anger shows up when when man is trying to attach to the lover, to the whore, to, to try to get back some sense of belonging. And uh, just, yeah, just how powerful that can be if you can see it, if you can see those discourse moments when you are trying to connect with a woman um, because you need something from her instead of seeing how you can be of service to show up and share space that would provide harmony that would in, in inevitably provide you with the thing that you're looking for. But 
but if you're going from this desperate space and this feeling of entitlement of like, well, I came from your cunt, so I am entitled to get back to that cunt. Like, you know, I know that place. I, I, I came from it. So, so some piece of it must belong to me. And it's like, not really. Like, <laughs> really, you know, the the object now is how do you have reverence for the cunt that gave you life? And how do you uh, move in such a way that you are in a, a devotion to it so that you can receive the very thing which you absolutely are worthy of? You know, I think there's a difference between entitlement and worthiness. Like we are all worthy of the divine source love and of the the holy whore cunt portal magic that is the juicy grace where our spirituality and our sexuality unify. Um, But being deserving of it and being able to receive it is different than being afraid of it and yet trying to demand something from it. And I feel like that's, you know, at the root of these guys talking shit about the wet ass pussy song is this fear that these women don't fucking need them, could give a shit about them, are owning ruthlessly and unapologetically, brazenly owning the power of their fucking wet ass pussy. And that scares the shit out of them because they don't know what to do with that kind of power. They only understand women who are lesser than. And that is a dynamic that really has got to change because it has become to the detriment of our society. Um, So that is my rant. Those are my observations. I, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to end with a little meditation, with a little chant um, that really honors where we are in our cycle from the seed and the flow and the completion and really honors uh, the process of respecting all aspects of the divine feminine and the goddess energy, the maiden, the mother and the whore. Um, with reverence and and devotion and you know and I encourage the those uh, who identify as female or especially heterosis women who uh, feel a connection you know make that connection to to your cunt to your vulva um, to your inner slut whore you know to have respect and love and appreciation for for that archetype and that energy and those desires and, and the potency of your sacred sexuality. Um, so har, hare, hari, har, hare, hari, H-A-R-H-A-R-E-E, H-A-R-E-Y, har, hare, hari. It means the seed, the flow, the completion. And, um, and we're going to bring into that, uh, the yoni hand mudra. So you bring your thumbs and your index finger together, um, opposite hands, and it creates this uh, yoni um, kind of ovalish diamond shape. And I'm just going to bring that in towards my heart center. And uh, yeah, and we'll wrap up with some chanting, honoring the trifecta, the triple goddess energy. So take a deep breath. Exhale out the mouth. And inhale to begin. Har, hare, hari, har, hare, hari, har, 
hare hari har 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 hare hari take a deep breath and exhale Another thing I encourage you to do and play around with is creating space at the end of your exhale. So exhaling everything out and having this moment, having this pause of emptiness. So I feel like, especially for men, having peace in this pause of emptiness, having peace in this space where you've been released as the boy from the mother and you're in this pause of stillness, of silence, of emptiness, where you can trust, where you can practice this zero point neutral space before you inhale, before you receive and and go to connect to that divine whore. So just practicing a space at the end of the exhale, a space in this empty stillness to start cultivating that peace and that relaxation. I hear from men all the time about like, oh, I have such a hard time meeting women, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it's like, because there's such an anxiety and a desperation um, to want to feel like you belong and that you are worthy and and to heal that that story of abandonment or rejection and i feel like you know practicing this breath practicing the stillness at the end of the exhale and to keep extending that time to be in that empty neutral space will heal your heart will heal your spirit will train your body and your frequency and your vibration to be one that is of of such trust and such grace that you will be able to hold space to uh to connect and draw in with with the divine feminine all right Woo! that was that was a lot of deep deep stuff um i love you all so much i'm so so truly grateful for this uh we have i think like six more episodes left this season i'm going to be diving deeper into uh the pillars of intimacy Um, If there's anything you want to hear me talk about or share or you have questions, you can always email me intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Feel free to hop on my Instagram. It'll take you to a link to my private uh, independent social media network that I've created, The Pleasure of Possibility. Pleasure of Possibility is a uh, private 
internet space where it functions just like all the cool things you love about social media without all the bullshit uh, with censorship and, um, and crap like that. So I'm very grateful for that. It is an incredible crew. Um, I've got to wrap it up here and I'm Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect. We have been unbuckling and uh, unifying hopefully the divine goddess feminine energy in all her forms. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christiane Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon. much sound you hear all the time noise music your own heartbeat what is it made of how does it work how does it affect you the universe of music takes you into the particles of life and the beat of living it is an interactive online masterclass of music and science taught by the internationally renowned musician and scholar dr marcine bella visit the universe of music.com that's the universe of music Com. Are you tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do. Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159.